The Animated Journey, a podcast featuring interviews with animation professionals working in television, film, and games. I'm your host, Angela Ensminger, and I want to say I had a really interesting week. Last week, my friend Andy and I had the opportunity to visit the Noman School here in Los Angeles, and we saw a fantastic presentation given by the Aaron Sims Creative which is a VFX company out in Burbank, and they designed and animated the Demogorgon from Stranger Things. And as I'm sure all of you are aware by now, because if you're listening to this podcast, you have access to the internet, you have most likely seen Stranger Things on Netflix. If you haven't, check it out. It's like a warm blanket of 80s nostalgia. It's like if you took Steven Spielberg and Stephen King, put them together, you have the show. It's a really interesting show. I really enjoyed watching it. The acting is superb. Winona Ryder is great. Matthew Modine is great. Millie Bobby Brown is fantastic. Everything about the show is great. And Aaron Sims Creative, their team of 30 people, created this creature that is terrifying and awesome and they walk through the process of how they did it they showed clips they showed videos they showed tests and several of the animators and the riggers and one of the editors the executive producer the creative director aaron sims himself were on hand to talk about it and the Noman school really outdid themselves it was the first talk that i had gotten to see at their school and it was great and afterwards we got to meet aaron And we got to meet several of the animators and everyone was super nice. My friend even won a DVD in a raffle on how to design creatures hosted by Aaron himself. And he gave it to me because I like to design creatures. So all in all, it was a great, great evening. And I'll have a link in the show notes because they live streamed the event. So you can check it out on the Noman website. And the link for the school is www.noman.edu. That's G-N-O mon.edu. It's a really good talk. I know that anyone out there who is interested in VFX and animation, who's curious about it, or if you just really enjoy Stranger Things and you want to know how the creature was made, check it out. I know that you guys will really enjoy it. And speaking of talks that you are going to enjoy, I am very, very happy to be bringing you today's interview with a super talented and all-around really humble and kind and awesome guy, Michael Yates. Michael is a story artist at Pixar Animation Studios, and we actually met when I was an intern. We were both in the same orientation class together, and I saw him in the corner sketching everyone and immediately knew, oh, he's a story artist. We need to talk and become friends. And we did, and he's an awesome guy. And he has the notable distinction of having interned or worked as a trainee at the big three studios. We're talking Disney, DreamWorks, and Pixar. How did he do it? He is a rock star. That is how he did it. He worked super hard before he got into college, while he was in college, after college, honing his craft, perfecting what he was working on, analyzing films, 
analyzing shots, studying cinematography, studying animation, creating a student film with his friends while at college that got onto the Vimeo Staff of the Week list. This guy is amazing. So I know that all of you out there are really going to enjoy hearing what he has to say. So without further ado, I present episode 29, Interview with Michael Yates, story artist at Pixar Animation Studios. My guest today is Michael Yates. Michael is a story artist on Cars 3, which will be coming out June 2017. And also, he has the distinction of working for three of the biggest animation studios currently out right now. He's worked as a trainee at DreamWorks. He's also worked as an intern at Disney and an intern at Pixar and is currently working at Pixar. Michael, thank you very much for being on the program today. Thank you, Angela. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so this will be very fun. I'm really looking forward to talking with you. So I always like to start at the very beginning with people's origin stories. So tell me, where did you grow up? I grew up in Northwest Indiana, maybe like an hour outside of Chicago. So we were always really close to all like the Chicago teams, the Bulls and the Bears and all that, even though we were in Indiana. So even the news was all Chicago based and it's pretty a rural area, a small town. I lived in a couple of the towns around there in um, Merrillville and Crown Point. Excellent. And what were some of your influences growing up? Influences in art? Yes, as far as, you know, art, film, you mentioned sports. Were sports a really big deal for you growing up? I tried to play sports. I played a lot of basketball growing up, up until maybe like freshman year of high school. And then I kind of retired because I realized I wasn't going to get to the height in which I needed to be. <laughs> but I've been influenced by lots of movies, comic books, all that kind of stuff really pushed me to go into storyboarding. Some of the specifics, I was really into anime early on, even though I feel like now that's kind of frowned upon, especially going to art school. But I feel like it really helped me to get interested in the art form of animation. I was also really into comic books, video games, pretty much anything that I thought was cool. Why was it frowned upon? I've noticed that a little bit too, and I've always been curious why that is. I think it's because it teaches, if you follow it too closely, you kind of learn shortcuts to figuring out issues. And especially in art school, they want you to be able to do the work first and then figure out shortcuts so you don't get bad habits. That makes a lot of sense. All right. So when did you realize that you could be a storyboard artist? When did you first learn about that as a career? I'm not sure. That probably came later. I think first it was just I wanted to do comics in middle school. So I would just draw my own stuff with friends and everything. And then it got to the point where I was like, I really like movies as well. And so I kind of just wanted to be a filmmaker. And so I would look into different animation schools and studios and everything. And so coming out of high school, I just knew I wanted to work in the animation industry. 
but I didn't know story specifically until I think right before college. All right. So how did you choose Ringling College of Art and Design? I think that has to do again with, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do in animation. I just knew I wanted to do animation. And it was one of the schools where you learned how to do everything. And so I knew like, after I finished that, I could do any aspect of making a CG animated film. And so I felt like that gave me more options. And it was supposed to be the best one in the country at the time. Okay. And what was your experience like at Ringling? It was pretty good. I feel like a lot of times with art schools, people expect a bit too much from it. And I feel like you only get out of it what you put into it. So there are a lot of times I would have to give myself assignments, especially after I realized I wanted to go into story. They kind of teach you the basics of everything. And it's your job to really push towards learning more specifics and, and cultivating that skill. But overall, the teachers are really great. There are a couple that I really enjoyed who really helped me. And I still work with them sometimes just to get feedback on personal projects and things like that. That's good. And I like what you said about giving yourself your own assignments to improve. What were some of the assignments that you gave yourself to get better at the craft? So I always felt like we would get an assignment say like an animation test. And it's like, it's gonna be about 15 seconds. You have to create all the assets in the, the film, the short film, really short film, I guess. And it would be like a character has to walk into a room and sit down, stand up for some reason and walk out. And I felt like the part that I really, really liked about it was developing the world and the characters. So I would spend a lot of time, sometimes too much time, just developing backstories for these characters. And sometimes I would even board like a short movie up until this point where they walk into the room, sit down and stand up. And so stuff like that, I would also just do um, a lot of film studies, a lot of reading, watching movies all the time, <laughs> and a lot of figure drawing. I would try to go to figure drawing two to five times a week sometimes after class. So just like lots of things that I felt like would help better myself because I could kind of see where my work was not as good as the professionals were. And that was one thing I noticed someone, one of the upperclassmen told me once where I was like, if you're not as good as the professionals are, then you're not going to be able to get a job. And so I would compare myself, not exactly, but I would like look at their work and say, okay, is my work at that level? And if it's not, what do I need to work on to get there? And so it would be a lot of assignments like that, just trying to push myself. That's good that you pushed yourself. I feel like a lot of students, they look at their work and sometimes they just get depressed and they kind of close in on themselves. And you took the opposite track, which was, okay, I know that my work isn't what it needs to be but I don't want to compare myself to other students. I want to get to that professional level. So if that means doing all this work outside of class, that's what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think like the depression thing, it, it happened to me as well. <laughs> I'm not going to say it didn't, but I always had this thing in the back of my head where it was like, all right, 
all of these guys who are amazing started from where I'm at right now. And so they just put in the work and they got there. So I felt like if they could do it, why can't I do it? And so that was kind of pushing me forward throughout all that time. That's really good. It's good, too, that you talked to upperclassmen and your teachers and just found out other people that could inspire you to do that. Mm-hmm. I would also um, talk to professionals. I would email them. I would look at the credit list and find people like, okay, this guy's a story artist. Can I find them? And a lot of them are online and love to talk to students. And I would just ask them questions as well. And so that was also really helpful. Who do you feel gave you the best advice? Or was it just really good advice overall? Best advice? Oh, man, there are a few. (laughs) I think probably the upperclassman, it was this guy named Francesco Girardini. And he had graduated right before I got there. But I talked to him a lot throughout school. And he would always help me and give me notes and push me. And he's the one that told me, if you're not as good as them, you're not going to get a job. And I think that was kind of eye-opening at the time because it was like, okay, as a student, you feel like I'm a student. I'm not supposed to be as good as them, which is true, but you shouldn't be comparing yourself to what else is going on in school. It should be like, okay, where do I need to be and how can I get there? And I think that really helped me throughout school. Excellent. So let's talk about school. You did a student film along with your co-directors, Sharon Wong and also Ari Tan called The Legend of the Flying Tomato. And it's amazing. I had an opportunity to watch your student film and it's very well done to the point where if it didn't say Ringling, you wouldn't necessarily know that it was done by students. I mean, the story's great. The animation's great. There's lighting. And there's dialogue, which you don't typically see in a student film. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the creation of that film and how the three of you came up with that idea. Okay. So originally me and Ari kind of just hit it off since freshman year of school. And we kind of always knew that by senior year, we were going to make a film together because we had really similar sensibilities. And then I think junior year, or the summer of sophomore year, Sharon came on board. And so we had three people at the school. There were a lot of rules about what kind of films you can make. And the more people you have in your group, the bigger the film could be. And I always felt like I would rather make the best film I could as a group, as opposed to just making something by myself that wouldn't be as good. And so that's that's how I decided that I should join up with those guys. And they're all really good. And I think the original idea came into play. We were just kind of looking for anything that would spark inspiration. And I think it was like a news article about a drug lord or something that had just got captured at the time. And so I was talking to Ari and we were pitching back ideas And we came up with an idea about a drug lord during the day who was a luchador hero at night to kind of amend for his sins. I don't know. I might use this idea later, though, but it kind of originated from that one. And slowly over time, as most ideas do, it it morphed into what it 
came out to be. And it turned out to be a really good idea to the point where it's a Vimeo staff pick of the week, which is very impressive because Vimeo, for those of you who are on the site and those of you who are not, they get hundreds, if not thousands of submissions every single day. So for y'all to get on their radar was really impressive. Yeah, we got pretty lucky with that one. After we completed it and we decided to do the festival circuit and everything, there was got pretty lucky in getting into a lot of different things and we even won a few awards. So it was it was fun. I definitely want to try it again. <laughs> what were some of the, the best parts of working in that kind of collaboration and what were some of the challenges? The best parts are you're never alone. And you always have someone to kind of check you. So it's like, I'll have like a idea maybe at midnight, like, oh, this could be the best idea. This will fix our story. This will make it 10 times better. Then I'll go tell, I'll go find Ari or Sharon and I'll say, hey, check this out. What if instead of luchadors, they're clowns? And they'll tell me like, no, that's that's not it. <laughs> it's, it's like, that. that's not where we're going. <laughs> Yeah, and so like sometimes you just kind of get lost, especially with the the time constraints when you're in school that way. So it's, it's good to always have someone to check it, check you, and check your ideas, as well as just better your ideas. It's almost like an improv class where it's like yes and, and you're just plussing and just making it better as time goes. And the challenges, I would say, are just like working together. Like everybody has... Since there was no one who was like really in charge, it was very collaborative. It's like everyone sometimes is trying to make a different movie and is trying to find the middle ground of, okay, what is this movie to all three of us? And how can we make something that we're all gonna be proud of in the end and really enjoy the process? I think that, and then figuring out different people's communication skills and how do you communicate with different people Cause like sometimes it'll be like, I can give this person a very blunt note and that's fine. But if I do it to this person, they might get offended by it. So it's like really trying to figure out how to talk to people, which I think is a really good skill when you work in the animation industry where it's like super collaborative and you're doing that every day. Very good. Excellent. All right. So moving from that, so you have interned Prior to getting your jobs at DreamWorks and then at Pixar, you were an intern at Disney and also an intern at Pixar. What was the process, first off, for getting your internship at Disney? And what were some of the things that you did and some of the things that you learned while you were there? The process was you just had to apply through the website. I remember I tried applying when they came to our school, but I think I was a sophomore at the time and they didn't allow sophomore or underclassmen to really apply to all the internships so I did it through the website instead and I think I just created a portfolio that I thought was pretty strong based off of a lot of it was um classwork that I went back later and tried to make better after getting notes from teachers and everything and then a lot of it was personal work I would say it was like 50 50 because I feel like one of the things that a lot of students do is they only put their classwork in and everyone's classwork is somewhat similar. 
you see the same assignments every time. And so you kind of want to stand out, especially in story. They're looking for like what makes you different and what makes your voice different. So I feel like putting in personal works or stories that you create on your own is really important. And so I put together a portfolio for that one and eventually just heard back from them. And then I accepted it. All right. And how did the internship work? What is it that they had you do while you were an intern? So their internship at Disney was pretty different. It was um, one or two interns per discipline. So I was the only story intern at the time, and they would pair you up with the mentor. And my mentor was um, Josie Trinidad. She's the head of story on Zootopia now. or She just finished, yeah. And so in the first half of the internship, you would get assignments from your mentor, and you would have to complete them as you go. So I think I ended up doing four or five assignments. And then during the second half of the internship, all the interns got together and created a really short short. And so I was in charge of the story of that short and storyboarding it. They make it based off of a fairy tale. And so it's like, it's not like you're creating it from whole cloth because there's not much time. I think I had to board the whole thing in like a week or two, like from writing to finish so it can go into production. But yeah, I think it ended up being about a minute long. And then the great thing about it was I got to pitch every week, not just to my mentor, but to directors and story artists at Disney. And I think that helped me a lot because at the time I was super shy. And over the course of just like getting my work destroyed in front of everyone you kind of grow a thick skin and it's like okay this is this is what happens and you can't give up you just have to like all right next time I'll get it next time did you have any techniques that you use because you you mentioned that you were shy when you first started did you have any like did you practice at home or I don't know take like public speaking classes or practice reading books or did you just say okay I'm just gonna go out there deal with whatever they say come back and just make it better (laughs) not then I learned techniques later on at the Pixar internship I don't know if you want me to jump ahead to that but yeah you can go ahead and jump ahead that's actually that's a really good segue Uh, so after the Disney internship you got an internship at Pixar and how was that process compared to being an intern over at Disney so the Pixar internship was only for story there's like five of us in five interns. I think most of them were from CalArts except for me. And then they were all girls as well, which is interesting. (laughs) But they're all great. And it's more classroom-based. And each of us got a mentor, and then there would also be two teachers over the entire class who were Matt Lunn and Mark Andrews. And so the first half, I think the first six weeks... I think it was 12 weeks, was Matt Lunn, and we would get an assignment on Monday, and you'd basically pitch on Friday. And my mentor was Bobby Rubio. And so the pitching thing, the first couple pitches, I, my voice was like really trembly, and I was really quiet and not very energetic. And pitching is like a really important part of the internship because it's on paper. And so you have to pitch with a little stick like they used to do back at Disney. 
and you have to project really loud or no one's going to know what's going on or they can't hear you. And so me and my mentor would talk before the pitch and we would go over it a few times and then he would try to get me pumped up. And I remember one time he suggested, why don't you listen to some music right before? And so I started doing that. And so I would listen to just like something high energy right before a pitch and it would kind of give me the energy to go off and just do it. But yeah, and I I still do that to this day. (laughs) That's a good technique, actually, just to kind of psych yourself into doing what you need to do. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so then, so you had the Pixar internship, and then you got your first job, which was at DreamWorks. So talk about that experience and, and what that was like. The DreamWorks one was pretty great as well. There was uh, five or six of us in the program, and it's basically three months of training, and then you get you just go into full-time storyboard artist. And so for the first three months, it was similar. Where we had to do was... Uh, we got us an old script that they shelved and we had to redevelop it and we had three months to pitch it and at the end of the three months we pitched it to all the directors and the the head of animation at the company and everyone and then based off of that pitch they would select which one of us they wanted on our team on their team and so that was like really fun we learned a lot during that one because we had special guests come in, like writers, to come and tell us about story structure and perspective drawing classes and lots of stuff like that. And I think my mentor for that was uh, Rad Seacrest, who was also like really talented guy. All right. And since you worked at you know all three studios, what were some of the differences culture-wise that you had to adjust to so that you could learn how to you know, be a story artist at all three companies? Culture-wise, that's a good question. (laughs) Uh, Disney was really small, like a lot smaller than I expected it to be as far as the amount of people working there. So you kind of knew everyone in every department and you would just see them all the time and it was really nice. And there's a lot of like communication between departments because of that. And then DreamWorks was really big, which kind of isolated everyone a little bit. I never really saw the other departments at all. It was pretty much just story, unless I went out of my way to talk to someone. And then here at Pixar, I say it's more similar to DreamWorks, where it's really big. I think art and story still communicate pretty well. And then I think overall, just the work process is pretty similar throughout all three. Okay, very good. So what led you to go from DreamWorks uh, to move uh, back up to Pixar? (laughs) It's a good question, too. Uh, I think after the internship, I just really liked the people at Pixar. And it was just the opportunity came up, and so I decided to go for it because I knew I really did enjoy DreamWorks, but I knew like if I turned them down, then... I'd probably regret it later on. So it was worth just trying out for a bit, see if I like it, which I do. (laughs) Excellent. And so now uh, at the time of the release of this podcast, you would have been at Pixar for a year. So how has that year been? It's been pretty great. Yeah. Constantly learning, (laughs) which is always what I'm searching for. (laughs) Now, what have you found to be uh, some of the differences between being an intern at Pixar and now working there full time? differences 
I get paid a lot more. <laughs> and <laughs> <laughs> that's always a plus. Yeah. There's less oversight on you. No one, you don't really have a mentor or a teacher who's looking over your shoulder. You're expected to do good work every time. There's no, I mean, you can fail, but you try not to. <laughs> I think that's the biggest difference. I got really close to the other interns I was interning with. And then I feel like now that group kind of turns into your crew of whatever show you're on. So you were at CTN uh, this past year, back in uh, 2015, and you actually had the opportunity to review portfolios, you know, professionals wanting to come in and also students. So how did it feel to be on the other side of the table, helping out others who are wanting to get into the industry? I think the biggest thing is I felt just as nervous on the other side of the table as I did when I was a student. (laughs) Because I felt like, oh, I hope I don't give them bad advice. And that's how I, it was initially, I didn't want to do it because of that. But then once I got there and then I realized, oh, wait, I should just tell them what I feel. It kind of came easy. Like I can see it and I could see like what would help them. And so, yeah, it was really fun. And what are some of the, the common pitfalls that you saw in portfolios from various artists and What do you think would help them out as they're working on their portfolios and improving? Probably clarity. Just like making sure that the idea is reading really well and that I can understand it when you're there in front of me and when you're not there. And I feel like that's the biggest thing. Clarity and then storytelling. Making sure you're showing me the right things that's going to get the idea of the story across at the right time. And also, uh, having now worked at three of the major studios in the industry, where do you see the animation industry heading? Did Have you noticed any trends? Not necessarily, um, I don't mean like insider information or anything like that, but just like trends in the industry or things that you've seen that you feel like, oh, this is the direction the industry is heading or this is the direction that storytelling is heading? Trends. It seems like The big studios are doing pretty well, but there also seems to be a lot of smaller studios starting up, which are doing pretty good quality movies on a smaller budget, like uh, Real FX and Leica and places like that. And then I feel like that's pretty good for the industry, just because there's more options out there. And hopefully it'll lead to different types of movies, because I feel like the animation type of movie are all somewhat similar, where it's like really four-quadrant family-friendly, and there's no independent-type animation movies. I guess except for Anomalisa, which just came out last year, if you get a chance to see that one. But yeah, I hope that that will start to change. I guess that's my wish or dream. But um, other than that, it seems like a lot of the production stuff is being outsourced so a lot of those jobs just to reduce costs but more work more different more studios overall creating more projects what do you think it would take to have more independent films or independent minded films in the united states i think someone just has to do something that's good and then it'll 
show that you can do it. And if it makes money, then more people will be interested in doing it. I think it's also a mindset where you'd have to advertise it in a way that says, okay, this one isn't for kids or this one is, or this one's really specific. It's not going to be the movie that your three-year-old and your 80-year-old grandmother is going to like. It's going to be more niche. And so I think just someone doing it first and being successful and then just the advertising and yeah, letting the audience know. All right. Very good. And do you have any uh, personal projects that you're currently working on? Yeah, I'm always working on something. I've been trying to do another short. So slowly just coming up with the ideas for that one. And I started working on a comic as well, but that's been put on the back burner a little bit. But yeah, constantly working on something. How do you keep yourself motivated so that you have the energy and the time to work on what you want to work on since you're also working at a studio full time? I think it's just like finding the project. Like if I have an idea where it's just like, I can't get it out of my head, then I know like, okay, this is the one. So it's like, no matter how tired I am, it's just like, okay, this is still in my head. I can't get it out. I need to go do it. And so I don't really think about how tired I am or anything like that. It's just kind of like a joy at that point. So it's like the work work is work, but then the personal projects is more just fun. I really especially liked what you said about learning from other people who came before you and not working in a vacuum. Cause I think that's really important. I don't know if a lot of students know to do that. Uh, definitely. I feel like um, sometimes you can look at people's work and see what school they're from. And I feel like that's kind of a danger to do that, <laughs> to have that. You should feel like yourself first. But it's like really hard to get out of that sometimes. What do you mean the danger of school? Do you feel like do you feel like certain schools kind of pigeonhole people to do certain things? Or what do you mean exactly? No. It's more just like because you're in that school system and you're looking at everyone in it, everyone starts to like their work starts to feel similar because you're not looking outside of the school. Oh, okay. And so I think it's it's always good to always look outside. Same at, at studios as well. You can kind of feel that from movie to movie. So I think it's always good to just take a look outside and look at stuff that you necessarily wouldn't before, even outside of just animation and art. When you were doing your portfolio, were you looking at, for example, when you were applying to Disney and DreamWorks and Pixar and other studios, were you looking at the work coming out of the studios and trying to match what you were doing to match what they were doing along with creating personal work? Or did, was that not even a concern and you were just focused on just doing work that you thought looked really good? I think it's a mix of both. It's like you can't be too far away from what they want since you are trying to get the job. But then at the same time, you want to do what you like. Like don't force yourself to like what you don't force yourself to do what you think they would like. It's almost like, how can my voice be heard at this place and figuring it out that way? But I didn't really make a portfolio for different studios. I kind of just made one 
And throughout the process of like interviewing and stuff, there were studios who were like, yeah, we don't do this kind of stuff here. And maybe you should do something more like this. And they would show me an example. And then I kind of felt like uh, maybe that's just not the right place for me. Because I'm not going to be happy doing that. That's an important point. Because I feel like a lot of times people try to mold themselves to fit in with the studio. Because they like they like that studio so much, but their work isn't necessarily that studio's particular style or forte. And I think that can be a detriment to people if you go and thinking, well, I'll just learn how to do it that way. But you have to ask, but will you be happy in the long run? And by long run, not like a year, but could you see yourself there 10, 15, 20 years from now doing that type of thing? Mm-hmm. Was that something that you were thinking of at the time or was it more of a gut feeling of, I just know this is not for me. I need to look elsewhere. I might've felt it at the time. I don't know if I was really thinking that far in advance. It was just like, okay, I like this. How come they don't like this? <laughs> it's like, what's, what's going on with them? Why don't they see this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's pretty great. That makes a lot of sense, too, because I noticed with your work, yours tends to be very, very cinematic, very action oriented in a very cool way, but in a way that I don't often see in feature film. I see it a lot in television, but not in feature film. Do you feel is that something that you would eventually like to do? Would you eventually like to do like an action adventure feature or perhaps work on like an action adventure television show? Actually, I did. (laughs) At uh, DreamWorks, I worked on this, they just announced it. It's called uh, Troll Hunters. It's uh, produced by Guillermo del Toro. And the showrunner is uh, Rodrigo Blas. He did the short. It's called Amla. Oh, I've seen that. That's the one with um, the little girl in the toy shop, correct? Yeah, I remember as a student when I saw that, I really liked it because it was so different than all the other short animated films I had seen. And so that like really got me excited to work on his project at DreamWorks. I did like gag sessions for a few of the movies that were in production, but I don't think I'm credited for any of that. But I think mostly it was just uh, Troll Hunters. And for those who may not be familiar, what is a gag session? It's kind of like um, you bring in a group of people to look at a scene and kind of punch it up. It's like uh, it could be jokes a lot of the time. Sometimes it's just like entertainment. Like sometimes it could be an action sequence where it's just not quite working. So you bring in a bunch of different people with different um, mindsets and tastes and you try to just throw ideas at it and figure out how to better it. Thank you. Well, I think that's it. Did I miss anything? Is there anything you've been burning to talk about or anything that I missed or? Oh, there was one thing. Yeah. So I remember out of high school, I applied to Ringling and I didn't get in the first time. I didn't get into the animation department, but I got into everything else. But I really wanted to get into the animation department. So after that, I took a year off and I just kind of did like intense studying on my own, 
And I remember I called up different animation studios that were near where I lived in Chicago. And I would just like send them emails and like, hey, I just graduated high school and I really want to learn animation. And is there any way I can just come see your studio? And most of them said yes, which I was really surprised by. Yeah, like everyone is really helpful to students. I think a lot of students are shy and like, oh, I don't want to bother them. But most people are really, if you put forth the effort, they're really willing to help you. And so there was one in Chicago called Calabash, and they did a lot of the 2D Lucky Charms and Tricks commercials. And I remember I got to go there and I, I brought in my portfolio. I had just made this portfolio that year. Just was like, okay, I'm just going to try it. Just do something. And he looked it over and everything. And he really liked the stuff, but it was, I didn't have the skill set to necessarily do animation yet because I had never done it. But he was like, I think you'd be a pretty good story artist though. So we'll keep you in mind if we have a position open for that. And then later on, after that interview, I was, he was like, you can also just come by anytime if you want to use any of our equipment or anything like that. And so from then on, I spent that entire summer going in maybe like two or three times a week and just learning how to animate and asking like guys there for questions and everything like that. And so I feel like that was really helpful. And then the next year when I applied to Ringling, I got a scholarship, which was really helpful for me even going there because it's a very expensive school. <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like just if you know what you want to just really don't give up on it. Just keep pushing it and you could be successful. That is really cool. And, you know, good for you for calling up all the other companies. I've talked to a lot of different people, not just for the podcast, but just in general. And I don't think that I've met anyone that has done that. And that's a really smart idea to just call them and ask them if you can just come in and just find out what they do and just just to talk to them about it. Yeah, there were even like, there's not a lot of animation studios in the area. So I was calling like biomedical visual effects places. <laughs> Cause I was like, oh, they do CG stuff. So maybe, and then they were like, yeah, sure. Come on by. <laughs> wow. That's and good for you too. Because I think a lot of people too would just think, oh, I just want to do television. I just want to do film. So if it's not TV or film, I'm not going to pay attention. But you're right. There, there are so many companies that do so many different things that are related to the industry. Yeah. The hardest part is getting that first job. And once you have that first job, it's much easier to get the next one. So I feel like no matter what you have to do for that first one, it's much better to just do it, even if it's not exactly what you want to do until you get to that next level and just keep pushing for that. Excellent advice. That is, that is great. And you were going to help out a lot of people. <laughs> I hope so. I can tell, I can already tell. Are you mentoring? Are you mentoring anybody right now? Are you like, do students like contact you and ask you for help? Yeah. A lot of the times, uh, mentoring, I would say I'm mentoring like one for the past few years. There's been a few on and off, but I think there's like one or two constantly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which I feel like is a huge benefit. Being able to explain something helps you understand it at a different level than just being able to do it. So I feel like it's it's like a 
a good relationship where I'm learning and they're learning. So I think it's worth the time. That is great. Well, Mike, thank you again, because I really appreciate talking with you. And it was really cool learning more about your experiences. And I know that a lot of people are going to benefit from hearing what you had to say, especially your approach to practicing and your approach to getting better and your approach to getting a job is a lot of those are things that I don't I don't think that a lot of students and just people in general necessarily do but they should Mm -hmm. yeah I hope so okay very good and then finally do you have a anything else that you'd like to share or any other words of wisdom that you would like to give aspiring artists out there just don't give up keep trying, look for different solutions to problems. Like I feel like that's the biggest asset to students and people who are new to the industry is their mind isn't broken into what the system wants you to think. So your solutions could sometimes be better. So trust them and yeah, just make your own stuff. Sounds like a winner. And uh, finally, where can people find you online? I think I have a Tumblr. It's called yatesart.tumblr.com. And then I'm also on Instagram at yates 5 Excellent. Well, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. And thank you for your excellent advice. Thank you, Angela. And that concludes today's interview. Special thanks again to Michael for being an awesome guest. And you can check out all the links to his websites, including the link to his student film that he collaborated with his fellow classmates, The Flying Tomato. It is awesome and amazing. So make sure to check out his film. I'll have that link in the show notes so that all of you out there can check that out. And if you've enjoyed today's episode, please make sure to leave a review in iTunes. All of your reviews help more and more people to find out about the show. And if you would like to donate to the program, you can visit the show's website at www.theanimatedjourney.com. And you can click on the PayPal donation button on the right-hand side. Every little bit helps me to keep the show up and running. And thank you so much to everyone who has donated to the show. I greatly appreciate it. And also make sure to support all of the show's wonderful sponsors, Amazon.com, Audible.com, Loot Crate, and Blueberry Podcast Hosting. As all of you are well aware, every time you click on the links to all of the wonderful sponsors, a little bit of money comes back to the show. So If you've ever been interested in hosting your very own podcast, make sure to check out Blueberry Podcast Hosting. If you love geek gaming gear, all the fun nerdy stuff that all of us out there know and love, make sure to check out Loot Crate. If, like me, you spend a lot of time in the car, on your commute, or you just really like listening to things while you're working on your portfolio and your personal projects, make sure to check out audible.com. And if you need to buy anything on earth amazon.com is your place to go so make sure to click on those links support the sponsors support the show buy all the things you need just help out everybody and speaking of helping out everybody i announced this last week as all of you who are familiar with the show are well aware i joined schoolism and the oatley academy so just wanted to give you an update on how that's going 
it's going great. I really love both schools. They're really awesome. Schoolism is going really well. I am now on week three of Alex Wu's gesture drawing class. I'm doing the video tutorials as you go. Schoolism offers two different ways to learn. You can either sign up for the class where the teacher looks at your homework specifically, or you can just watch the video lectures. I'm doing the video lecture one. And right now Schoolism is offering a discount where if you sign up during the month of September, it's only $15 a month. So I'm taking the $15 a month Alex Wu gesture drawing class, and it's a lot of fun. I've learned a lot uh, this past week with video three. We they talked about silhouette and why silhouette's really important. And spoiler alert, it's super important. So that's been very helpful. And of course, the Oatly Academy continues to be awesome as I expected it to be. It's really cool. I like it a lot. Right now I'm in the Storyteller Summit and I just finished listening to a talk by Chris Oatley and Laura Innes, and they're actually talking about the importance of creating your own personal project. And it's really good and it's been very inspiring and it's helped inspire me to continue to work on my own personal project, which in the next couple of months I will be announcing on the show. So stay tuned for that. So if any of you out there are wanting to continue your education for, I mean, not even a fraction of the cost of art school, I recommend both of these programs. They're both really good. And if you want to check out what else is going on in the wonderful world of animation, make sure to check out the Animated Journeys Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash the animated journey. On Twitter, the handle is at animjourney. On Instagram, the handle is at animjourney. And on Tumblr, the site is www.theanimatedjourney.tumblr.com. And if you want to check out what I've been up to lately, you can visit my website www.sketchysoul.com. On Twitter, the handle is at sketchysoul. On Instagram, the handle is at sketchy underscore soul. And on Tumblr, that site is www.sketchysoul.tumblr.com. So thank you to everyone for listening today and for checking out the show. And thank you to all of the new listeners. I've been checking out the metrics for the show and we've had a spike in listenership. So to all of you new listeners out there, Welcome. Thank you for tuning in. Glad that you're enjoying the program, and I hope that you continue to enjoy all of the new episodes. So, as always, be encouraged and have a great day, everybody.